The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. Happy June. Today's Monday, June 1st. As always, Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall joining you all today. Jordan, some topics to get into. We're going to break down some of the uh, maybe top four prospects at the defenseman position the Flyers will be looking at. Um, who may be uh, in competition with Elaine Vino for the coach of the year, even though Elaine Vino is very much in a great position. Amongst other things, we also are going to be talking on the Flyers Talk podcast with the Flyers strength and conditioning coach, Chris Osmond. A lot to get to, Jordan, but first and foremost, I hope you had a good weekend. Katie, same to you. And like you said, <laughs> plenty to talk about. So uh, that's always a good thing. And yeah, some news from the Flyers over the weekend, Katie. They signed their prospect, uh, Linus Hogberg, a Swedish defenseman. Uh, and it had us thinking, uh, the Phantoms are going to have some new guys on the blue line this year. Um, and it had us really wondering which one can maybe climb fastest to the Flyers. So looking at those guys, uh, it's Igor Zamula, who will be turning pro and playing his first season with Lehigh Valley. Uh, Linus Hogberg, who they recently signed, will be in his first season with the Phantoms as well. Wyatt Wiley, who played for Carter Hart's junior hockey team, the Everett Silvertips, will also be turning pro. And then they have another prospect, Wyatt Kalanuck, who is foregoing his senior season at Wisconsin and turning pro. The Flyers still have to sign him. So that's not a done deal yet, but they still have to sign him. But if they do, he will also be turning pro. So four new defensemen uh, getting closer to the Flyers. That's very exciting. Katie, if you had to pick one that you think could climb fastest, who might that be for you? Well, you said the first one on that list, and that's my first choice, Igor Zamula. Um, almost about 6'5". He's a tall guy, um, kind of lanky, but he's got a lot that he can do with his body. As a defenseman, he's very offensive. And with that, I mean, let's go through. I mean, you're talking about this would be his first year uh, in pros, I mean, in the AHL uh, specifically. Um, I just think he has the most potential. If you look through his stats, he has uh, three years with the Calgary Hitmen in the WHL. Of course, this year was cut – this season was cut short – for him, it was because of a, a back uh, – well, he had to have back surgery. So he did only play 28 games. But Jordan, in those 28 games, he had uh, – well, he averaged a point a game. If we look at last season, too, um, he was averaging just under a point per game as well. So this is a, a defenseman that, of course, I'll say it time and time again that, you know, offense or, or scoring isn't as important for a defensive position. You want a guy that – you know, the big question, would he be able to slow down your Sidney Crosby's in the leagues, your uh, Alex Ovechkin's in the leagues? Like, this is the NHL. It's not going to be the WHL or even the AHL for that matter. So if you say who would have the most potential, I, I just say it's this guy just because of his style of play. He's a very, um, like I said, offensive defenseman. But another thing, Jordan, that we're seeing with younger players and him specifically is their smarts on the ice. Um, it's a league now where you want players that keep their head up. They, they have a good vision of the ice. They see what's in front of them specifically for defensemen. 
And um, this is a player that, you know, the biggest question is where would he fit, right? If he had a chance uh, out of these four guys to, to get up to the uh, NHL with the Flyers, where would he fit considering how good the, the blue liners have been and how, what we've seen. But, you know, that's a question too, where, or that's something too, where um, injuries might happen. Like this would be a guy that I could see having a spot uh, with the Flyers blue liners. And from what we've seen, hopefully that same success will continue once again, after I mentioned that back surgery might be an issue. Um, but this is a time too, where he's been able to really heal up, uh, you know, given the circumstances, it's a positive there, a player like him, able to sit back, really um, rehab and get better from uh, that surgery and get better from that overall injury. And hopefully he will be full and ready to go by uh, the next season for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. I see him as being the, the most potential or having the most potential out of this list to help out with the Flyers organization. I like that, Katie. He really is an exciting player. Uh, he has the organization very excited. And it's hard to believe he was an undrafted guy. Uh, props to Flyer scout Mark Gregg. He was the one that spotted him got him into uh, camp and then the Flyers ended up liking him so much that they signed him to a, an entry-level contract and he's just gotten better and better. I remember Chuck Fletcher had high praise for him during rookie camp and then he, Igor Zamula played one game in the preseason and Elaine Vigneault went out of his way to talk about him after that game, uh, said he really liked his mobility. I remember Zamula played alongside Phil Myers and you could see the potential there. Two big guys, 6'4", 6'5" that can move up and down the ice. They can transition the puck. Uh, and he really caught the eye of Valene Vigneault. So uh, Zimbula is such a good selection there. He's going to be a guy to watch in Lehigh Valley. Uh, I'm going to go with a different guy, Katie, to, to keep things uh, fun here. Uh, I'll say Wyatt Kalanuk, uh, Katie. Yeah, Wyatt Kalanuk, if they can sign him, uh, a lot to think that he could potentially uh, rise quickly because a few things. He's 23 years old. He played three years in college, played three years in the UC USHL. So he is well-developed, well-groomed. He's 6'1". And two of his biggest strengths really uh, can translate quickly at the NHL level. He, two of his biggest strengths are skating and puck handling. He's a very skilled guy, an offensive-minded defenseman. And those strengths can really translate, especially in the lane videos type of system, where uh, defensemen that can move – and get up the ice and, and can skillfully take the puck up ice, really accentuate AV's system. He likes those guys that really pin, you, pin down the opposition in the other zone. And Wyatt Kalanuk has those types of strengths. So not only does he have those strengths, he's also uh, 23 years old and he's well-developed. So I can see him being a guy, if the Flyers do end up signing him, they get him in Lehigh Valley, he could be a guy that they can maybe turn to, like you said, Katie, if injuries arise, or if Kalanick shows uh, he can really score and produce at the AHL level, he might not take super long. So I'll go Wyatt Kalanick, a fun guy uh, who went from seventh-round pick to all of a sudden um, one of the best players on Wisconsin. I recently spoke to his head coach, Tony Granado. Tony Granado called him an elite offensive defenseman. Uh, so a guy that's really developed, six-foot-one, skilled skater, um, a fun guy to keep, keep eyes on uh, for sure. And these four players eventually could uh, – will eventually be under the watchful eye of Chris Osmond, the Flyers strength and conditioning coach. We were absolutely thrilled to have Chris Osmond on the podcast, gave us some great insight into what he does, how unique this time has been in terms of keeping the Flyers uh, players in shape. Let's go right to that interview with Chris Osmond, strength and conditioning coach for the Flyers. 
Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Chris Osmond, the Flyers strength and conditioning coach. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Chris, uh, I know when we spoke with Elaine Vigneault uh, during this stoppage, she had mentioned that you have been in touch uh, with the players throughout this entire break uh, in terms of keeping them obviously in shape and making sure they're doing the right things. Um, how have you been able to do that? I'm sure it's been a challenge, but how have you been able to do that? And uh, how did that exactly um, kind of happen throughout this time? Obviously, I'm sure everything was completely different for how you typically go about things. Well, it's, uh, we <laughs> took a step back and we approached it like the off season, basically. Um, you know, we basically, you know, follow the, you know, um, situation where, you know, guys don't have gyms and that kind of stuff. So we started sending out workouts, uh, in terms of staying in touch with guys, you know, it's pretty old fashioned texts, calls, emails. Um, I'm a kind of kind of coach who likes to talk to our players. Um, but we also like to uh, use some tech that kind of help us out as well. So we, we use a system that kind of sends out a daily automated questionnaire. So the guys will get it on their phone every morning. And they, it basically just asks a few simple questions. You know, how did you sleep last night? How do you feel today? Uh, how, was, how hard was your workout on a scale of 1 to 10? So we get a pretty good idea of how guys are doing with the workouts and, and those types of things. So um, everything was customized. You know, everybody has different home gyms and different situations and we had guys with nothing and then we had guys with full setups so uh so it was a lot of customization but you know we we made it work so yeah that's yeah. everything in a nutshell basically <laughs> yeah i'm sure a lot of different circumstances in a time like this for like you said what guys have access to i didn't think of uh ivan provrov who's had his own private ice sheet this whole time it's certainly a good thing but with different yeah, players nice. of course yeah, of course, there's different unique workouts um, with different players, uh, apparently, you know, throughout what they would need. Who do you think has the most unique style? And I brought up Provrov, too, because of that pregame uh, ritual he does, of course, during when games are in action. But um, who has the most unique style of training, would you say? Uh, I'd say I think you nailed it. Provy has a, a pretty good unique <laughs> style. <laughs> you know, a lot of our players um, come out of the junior ranks and the college ranks, so they're pretty traditional when it comes to training, at least when we get them. So we kind of have an understanding of what they see in the college systems. And I used to work in the college system and my assistant used to work in the college system. So we kind of have an understanding of what they're exposed to. Um, yeah. But some, some of the overseas players, you know, that didn't come through the junior ranks or the college ranks, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to, to kind of know what they've been, been exposed to through the course of their career, but um, it's definitely a unique system for sure. It's, uh, it's, always a hard, it's always a hard time trying to get a hold of Proby in the summer. So I'm not yeah. sure if he goes to Siberia somewhere and, <laughs> <laughs> and trains Rocky style in Siberia. I'm not sure, but he's strong, he's fit, and whatever he's doing, it, it's, certainly, it's certainly working, so. Yeah, you see most of it. I mean, us, we see just glimpses of it. I know Taryn Hatcher sees a lot of it too, specifically before games. Why is it so unique for fans out there that don't know? Well, it's unique because it's, it's, it's a part of the prep, right? So it's, uh, you know, some guys have, you know, as, you know, soccer is a part of their game they prep and, you know, Proby isn't one of those guys. So um, I've always 
said hockey's are, hockey players are creatures or habit, right? So what's worked for them in junior or what's worked in, you know, when they first started playing, it's probably what they're doing now. And, you know, yeah. we tweak it here and there just to make sure they're ready to go. But for the most part, our guys have pretty good programs. So, Yeah, speaking of tweaking, Chris, was a lot of this period about adjusting to what, like you said, what players had and what they didn't have? And you almost have to kind of um, customize their workout with what they have at their, their home or wherever they were quarantining? Yeah, we had guys that literally had nothing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this happened so quick. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I literally had to fit out my garage with what, with, what, with what I had. And it was pretty much nothing. My wife had some light dumbbells and I had a, <laughs> a bar that I was using from a whole hockey stick for a while. So it's, uh, I was doing pull-ups from the, from the roof of my Innovation. garage. <laughs> you do what you got to do, <laughs> right? right? Daily routine and checking the box. But we had guys who had nothing and cause it happened so quick. So you don't have time to get set up. Um, so we had guys who were doing bodyweight workouts for the first little bit and that's what we had. And, you know, we encourage guys to get outside and, and social distance outside so they could do workouts outside as well. So you didn't have to be inside those guys who were in Canada. That wasn't great at the start because their weather wasn't as good as ours, you know, back in March and, and April, but, uh, you know, we did have some help with the NHL and, you know, some of our suppliers that we use anyway, you know, equipment suppliers that really stepped up and said, you know, if guys need certain things, you know, here's our contact information. We can ship to Canada. We can do what we got, do what we need to do to get guys what they needed. So it all worked out. So. Yeah. And I can't help but think about when you're hearing from Sean Couturier saying, yep, I'm getting my uh, reps in going up and down the stairs, helping the wife with the dishes. And then another one too is Claude Giroux. I think of him on that stationary bike up there in Canada in a basement somewhere. You got to find ways to stay in shape, I'm sure. And for your case, I'm sure it's a little bit challenging to keep everything in check, but it's good to see uh, or good to hear that you're definitely doing the best that you can in a situation like this. Yeah. And um, I have colleagues in the NBA and, you know, major league baseball and it's, it's the same all around. I mean, it happens so quick. And if you tried to find a set of dumbbells on the internet to order online, it was impossible. Yeah. There was, er, oh. there was even like big suppliers like power block and Kaiser who literally had to shut down their websites because there was nothing available. So because all the gyms were closed. So yeah, this yeah. Is more than our guys out there looking to, to get set up. So it was basically everybody. Yes. It's so. crazy. And you talk about different sports there, Chris, you've certainly had a lot of different experiences with lacrosse, with Olympic athletes, even with baseball, of course, too. hockey in particular. I know it's so much more different as far as training goes than those sports. What is it about hockey? Is it a flexibility thing? What is it with hockey athletes um, that's different than anything else as far as training goes? Uh, well, it's, it's a different sport, you know, it's not like a running based, you know, sport where, you know, it's, you can, you know, you can apply like a lot of basic principles and, and, and get results. I mean, you can, but with hockey, you're, you're, you're on a frictionless environment and, you know, it's, you know, there's certain things that have to take into account with the hips and those types of things, you know, that, um, you have to, if you don't search. If you don't uh, accommodate those things, then you're probably going to do more harm than good. So uh, you have to be really cognizant of, of, of biomechanics and, and, you know, hip angles and knee, knee angles and those types of things. So it's, um, I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to be careful because at the end of the day, we're supporting hockey. 
and we have to make sure that we our guys can perform, but they're also still on the ice. So that's great. And 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 kind of speaking to that, Chris, for when you all can reconvene, um, what do you just think that will be the biggest challenge for you guys, and just in terms of getting guys up to speed, getting them in game shape. I'm sure they've obviously, like you said, they've been working out. But what will be the biggest challenge of really making sure they're ready for if and when games do resume? I think the biggest challenge will be just getting get, getting everybody back in the mindset, um, you know, because we were shut down so quick. We had two full months uh, of basically just, you know, off season. And then, you know, now it isn't really like it's, it's, there's kind of a lead up, but it's going to happen quick. If it happens, you know, we get a, you know, you get like these small group training in phase two, but you know, a lot of that stuff is, is, it's all voluntary. So we may get guys not even here. They may be, they may skate elsewhere. Um, so, um, you know, then you're going to go into that three week or whatever it is training camp and then bang, you're in the playoffs. So it's not like you're going to play exhibit, a lot of exhibition games and those types of things and kind of, ease into the year you're going straight in the playoff hockey and it, it's going to be weird without fans i'm not sure how that's gonna i mean this is new for everybody so yeah <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> it's so i'm interested to see how that's going to look and it's going to be different that's for sure yeah. yeah, and Chris, something we've been saying, it's like, you know what, everything's going to be different, but if that puck can drop, if skates are on the ice and hockey is happening, specifically playoff hockey is happening, even if it's different, I'm sure we're all happy. And for you too, I'm sure you'd be looking forward to getting back. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you know, we, have, we were having a great year, so it would be, be a shame to, to let it go. Yeah. So. Yeah, we all are right there with you. I was going to say, I don't think diet is too much of your responsibility for these guys, but I was even talking with Jordan, like you have to be there to be around to see maybe what style of eating some of these guys have. We've heard so much about Carter Hart um, and how clean of an eater, and maybe picky of an eater uh, he is. Have you seen anything like that or any yeah, other players I'm, I'm that around. are interesting? <laughs> I'm around a lot of that stuff. I mean, you, the person you should probably talk to is our nutritionist, Nairi Dardarian. Yep. Okay. You know, she's done a few uh, grocery shops with Carter. <laughs> 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 so that was a, that was a work in progress, but uh, you know, he's young. So, but he's, he's definitely a, a very clean eater. A lot of our guys are, um, yeah. they, uh, you know, they, there's really not a, anybody on our team that really, you know, goes crazy during the season. You know, they're, everybody keeps it in check and, you know, there's a few guys that like their, their treats here and there, but you know, it's, <laughs> It's, it's here and there, you know, it's, it's, it's right. balance and, and variety and moderation. So, um, you know, if somebody has a grilled cheese one day, they won't have it until the next week. So it's not like an everyday thing. So, um, so it's pretty good. That's awesome. That I, don't, awesome. I, don't, I don't want to give away too many, too many uh, of, of what the <laughs> treats are, but. Right. <laughs> no worries. You understand. I, I know I've heard Claude Drew is a grilled cheese guy, so I'm sure maybe he has one on occasion. Um, but it sounds like they make your job hopefully as easy as possible. Um, but speaking of that, uh, as Katie said, Chris, you have so much experience in other sports, uh, baseball as well. Um, this time period, has this been uh, one of the more – different and most unique challenges you've ever faced in, in your profession? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, none of us have been through this and, you know, this is something we're going to look back on in next year, the year after 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I'm like, wow, uh, that actually happened. And you know what I mean? So um, on the bright side of things, you know, it's, uh, if it, you know, if another virus comes around again and whenever it comes around, we'll be ready, hopefully. So it's, um, 
you know, hopefully this is a learning experience for a lot of people. Sure. And um, so hopefully we can get a vaccine and get back to normal. But for now, normal is normal. <laughs> it's where we're at, right? So it's so uh, wear the mask and, you know, socially distance and do what we can to stay healthy. So and hopefully we'll, we'll get hockey soon. So. Yeah, and uh, you've spent, and I'll, we'll all echo that. We agree with that uh, point for sure. Uh, you've spent some time with uh, the Philadelphia Flyers organization, specifically this year, Chris. What's been maybe the top moment, uh, whether it's in the dressing room or something you've seen from Kevin Hayes making his little nicknames or his chirps anywhere? We all know he uh, makes moments fun. Any player, any moment that's been your highlight so far here in 1920? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. There's, 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 definitely, a, there's definitely a lot of them because we're definitely a lot of times behind the scenes, right? So um, there's a few that I won't share. That's okay. <laughs> totally fair. Uh, I'm trying to, you know what, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know if I can think of anything, yeah. but definitely, uh, you know. Um, That's a good problem Kevin, to have, right? You yeah. can't yeah, even think Kevin, of one there's Kevin's, so many. Uh, Kevin's, Kevin's names for the guys, you know, pregame, that's, that's always a treat to hear. And, you know, our, our, our win, winning song this year is, is it's, it's amazing. It's the best winning song I've, yep. I've heard in, in, in all my years in sports. So um, you guys have heard that song, right? I was going to say, I do you have a nickname from Kevin Hayes? I mean, I haven't been there to hear it. I don't know. Is there well, a nickname that... Yeah, I'm, you know, my last name is Osmond, obviously. So ever yep. since high school, I've been referred to as Ozzy or Osmond. I've heard every variation of Ozzy or Osman, Ozfest, you name it. <laughs> it's, um, so it's some variation of that. Usually it's Oz okay. or Ozzy. That's so. great. We heard Elaine Yo call you Oz the other day. Uh, so yeah. I think it was probably somewhere in that ballpark, but. Uh, I'm sure, like you said, Chris, so many fun moments with this season so far, and we really hope you guys get a chance to finish off your work. But uh, thank you so, so much for coming on and giving us some insight into your job. It was awesome hearing from you, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. All right, thank you. Hopefully we'll get uh, to get going here soon. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Awesome, awesome insight from Chris Osmond, Flyer Strength yeah. and Conditioning Coach. What a unique position he's in, Katie, uh, during this time. Obviously, trying to keep guys in shape without actually physically seeing them. Uh, like he said, he likes to be in person with these guys. Hopefully, he will be soon. But uh, I just loved what he had to say about Ivan Provrov. It sounds like Provrov really is a machine, Katie. Well, we know that, right? No, yeah. I, uh, I was very interested to hear that because we've heard Taryn Hatcher. She's mentioned that pregame routine that we all, all you know, would love to see too. But apparently he does that full workout before the game even starts. He keeps going. And, of course, hey, it helps with his Iron Man characteristics out there. He never stops um, going. And it was fun to get that from Chris. It was also funny, uh, Jordan, how we were like, we'd ask him something. And he's kind of like, mm, how much of this can I say? Because I love that. I mean – it's you got to have some secrecy in there and you know that's that's why he's so great at his job too he's a good person he's a good um friend to these guys as well and uh it was really fun to have him on of course i'll echo what you said uh but yeah very interesting to hear too i, I mean what i think about and i'm not saying like one is is worse than the other but it, it makes me think about just professors and teachers and, and so many different professions out there that when this all happens so quick right i mean they all have to adjust to like doing their job online um 
And with that, I mean, I'm sure it has its challenges. Jordan, I don't know about you, but in college, I definitely didn't prefer online courses just because, I don't know, it was just a little bit more challenging in that, in that matter. For those of you that liked online, good for you. But I, I did do a few of them. I just, I am much more, you know, in-person type of person. And for this case, you're doing training and he did mention off-season. That's the same thing, essentially. You're doing the off-season training, but it's not the same thing. When you think about these circumstances, you're wanting to keep guys ready to go if they have to go get back ready on the ice by next week. I mean, it's sort of all up to him. And I feel like that's a lot of pressure in his position, even though he has many uh, years in different sports of experience. But very interesting to hear kind of what's going on in that matter. Cause it definitely is something maybe you don't always think about. Like these guys have to stay in shape. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And kudos, like, like you said, Katie, kudos to those people that had to seriously adjust uh, with their jobs in terms of working from home. For some people, obviously different professions, it's probably a little easier uh, for Chris Osmond. That was probably really difficult. Um, totally different ball game for him uh, doing this virtually and, you know, obviously not in person uh, but yeah, a lot of pressure of keeping these guys in shape. Uh, and like you, like you said, a really good learning experience for him for if and when this might, this type of thing might happen again, uh, they'll be well prepared for it because of uh, how difficult and challenging it was. Uh, and a player kind of of the same ilk of Ivan Provorov is Sean Couturier. Uh, I have a feeling Chris Osmond probably did not have to worry too much about Sean Couturier. The guy is very workmanlike, as we all know. He really goes about his business, uh, is always getting extra work on, in the, uh, on, on the ice. Uh, and because he plays a ton of minutes and does a ton of roles, Katie had us thinking with the regular season officially over, uh, you can now, people will now be talking about end of season awards. Um, and that will probably be announced before the playoff, uh, the 2014 format playoff. Uh, and one guy up for an award uh, is Sean Couturier. We know at the midseason voting, he was number one for the Selkie Trophy given to the best defensive forward. Katie, is he going to win it this year? Why not, Jordan? Of course, this is the player that we've all had our eyes on covering the Flyers, but it's a player, too, that's been in, in the talks of Selkie um, potential every single year minus one in his whole career. Um, of course, he was a finalist in 2017, 2018. This is a guy that this is the season he needs this. Uh, throughout what we've been able to see, this guy's going up against every top line. The way he has his abilities on both ends of the ice, his face-off abilities too. I mean, how many times do we see that pop down in a live game? Like, oh, the Flyers, by the way, are number one in the league for face-off percentage. This is the reason is Sean Couture. Of course, you, you consider the captain Drew and, and other matters of that, but he has a big, um, a big name in those different categories. He's averaging almost 20 minutes on ice. He's a plus 21, um, and he's got 59 points. Those are just other helpful things. But as far as being the most defensive offenseman and just playing both ends of the ice, he is a player that's really stepped up for the Flyers. I feel like every season, but specifically this year, and we talked to how many times have we heard Elaine Vino say, hey, to get this guy going, I'm going to put him with Sean Couturier. I mean, he's helping out offensively no matter what, but he's also helping out his teammates. I know that's not exactly the category of this award, but there's so many different ways he's stepped up. And, of course, when you think about, you know, other teams, Patrice Bergeron is, is a big name that, you know, has potential for this award as well. Um, Ryan O'Reilly could even have potential up there, uh, even though he won it last season. But I could see Bergeron maybe as being the closest to uh, – Couturier is claiming this award. I just feel with like the circumstances of the Flyers and how they were able to sort of rebuild. I can say that word, right? But the way they were able to turn everything around this season, 
so many different uh, components or you know components of this team had to step up to make that happen. But I don't think you have the success the Flyers have without having Shankatore in the middle of that. And, you know, with that being said, so many different team awards he's capable of, but specifically for this Selkie trophy, I would see him just throughout what he's been able to do in the league and also his, uh, his abilities on the ice that I've already mentioned. I don't need to say him again. Um, those 200-foot abilities are so, so positive for him, and I don't see why. I mean, why not? Why not? This is, this is a player that, that needs it. He's, he's been so close every year, a consistent flyer. He needs it, Jordan. I'm so with you, Katie. I think I would be really surprised, to be honest, if he didn't win it. I think uh, the Selkie Trophy is such a brand recognition award. Um, it takes time to sort of, sort of build up your brand, and then you start getting recognized for it. Uh, I think we saw with the voting at the midseason awards, Couturier was number one. It tells you his brand is starting to get recognized, um, and he got only better uh, after the midseason. Um, he got only better. Uh, he did nothing to hurt his case. I think he should win it. And he just does so much. Like you said, Katie, a plus 21. I know people always are kind of one way or the other on plus minus, but if you're a plus 21 playing the minutes in which Sean Couturier plays against some of the lines in which he plays against, a plus 21 is a really notable mark because you're, you're literally producing more goals, preventing more goals against some of the best guys in the league in heavy, heavy minutes. He does everything. Penalty kill, power play, He's one of the better even-strength scoring centers uh, in the league. Uh, over, the last three se- over the last three seasons, he's a plus 57. He's just been – he deserves it. He, he, he has been great for the Flyers. Um, and you're right, Katie. He helps teammates because of how much he does. He makes it easier yeah. on others because he does everything. This is the year he will win. I, I'm pretty confident of that. And another guy, Katie, that is up for an award, which is very exciting – because uh, it, it's not always the case where in which multiple flyers could win an award. Uh, Elaine Vigneault, up for the Jack Adams Coach of the Year. Uh, he might be the favorite, Katie. I'm not sure if, he, if there's anyone more of a favorite. But that made us think, if there's someone that's probably going to compete with him the greatest for this award, who would it be? Which coach, Katie? Who are you taking? Jordan, when we had this topic on today's episode, I was like, this is impossible. I don't, okay, and I know all we're doing is pumping the tires of the Flyers, but how could you not? Fans out there listening, how could you not? This is a team that we are so excited about this year. Um, We just talked about Shakaturi. We want him for that award, but we also want Elaine Vigneault. I mean, this isn't just being, would you say homers? I mean, this is the obvious, Jordan. Come on. Elaine Vigneault is the closest to this category. This is very hard for me to think, you know, okay. And, you know, all of that aside, it is, it is hard when you cover the, the team and you, you focus on one team and you see just everything they have going. It is hard to maybe be like, okay, well, this guy could have potential. Um, so for this, I, I challenged myself. I try to think of someone that I could see potentially having this award as well. And I mean, Mike Sullivan is a, is a big guy. And as much as you would hate to think about that, the Penguins, right? He's a coach too. constant success with this team. Um, 40, 23, and six record. He's 86 points for the Penguins. Um, he's, he's a coach that, you know, he's dominant. He's always had that great reputation. Um, what he's been able to do this season, uh, you know, approves that. But I think with Elaine Vino, his, uh, what, 17-year coaching career, and uh, I just think more specifically about, okay, the way this specific coach turned this program around. I had to look back to fans. They don't really want to remember last season with the eight goaltenders, but 37, 37, and eight with 82 points. They were on six in the Metro, and they had the second to worst goals uh, against in the league. 
Um, this was a team that the defenseman category wasn't helping. Like everything was falling apart. We know about their special teams, Jordan, that so much needed to improve uh, this season. And thinking of that now, Lane Vino, he comes in, the team's 41, 21, and seven. They're second in the Metro. And these are things too that coming into this season, when you look at Elaine Vino, um, including with the veteran coaching staff that he brought with them, or, or you know, added with them, Chuck Fletcher helped out bringing in. This whole bench of coaches you knew was going to make some sort of um, ripple this season. And I think it all started with Elaine Vino, just his transparency we talked so much about. Um, and just the way he communicates with his players, they want to play for him. He's brought that great um, – What's the word I'm looking for? Aura to the dressing room. He keeps things light. He keeps things fun. And, you know, fans listening, it's all about the numbers on the ice, right? You want to see the numbers that prove that he'd be deserving of this award. And with that, if you just take a glance at last season to now and, you know, also what the players like Travis Konechny have been able to do under this coach and, and under the different uh, situations he's been able to bring about, putting guys together, figuring out what works, um, this is a coach that I think is the most deserving in the league. I, I, like, I know the question was who else could you see coming up, but it's just, it's so hard for me to picture it wouldn't be Elaine Vigneault. I don't know about you, Jordan. Kitty, I'm with you. I don't think we're being homers at all. I just think Elaine Vigneault and Sean Couturier are the clear-cut guys for this, this award. I'll be honest, at the midseason, I did not have Elaine Vigneault in my top three. I did not vote for him. I just, at the midseason point, they, the Flyers weren't really there yet where I would think that Elaine Vigneault was going to be up for coach of the year. I didn't even have, have him in my top three. Now I think it's his award. It really is. You detailed a lot of it, but you look at what the Flyers did last year. They were 22nd in the league. He, he in one year, Elaine Vigneault has them sixth in the league, and he really cleaned up some major issues. Uh, his impact has gone across the board. Impressive job by, by Elaine Vigneault. If I had to pick one guy I think maybe that's going to be the, his biggest competitor, I would probably also go Mike Sullivan for these reasons. Mike Sullivan had the Penguins right there. I believe the Penguins are seventh in the league. They're right behind the Flyers. Look what Mike Sullivan did, especially with the injuries. Evgeny Malkin missed 14 games. Sidney Crosby missed 28 games. Jake Gensel missed 30 games. Ryan Russ missed 14 games. Like That's like the Flyers – taking away Claude Drew, Jacob Vorchek, Sean Couturier, and maybe like a Konechny or another key player for like chunks of the season. And to have them in like the top seven uh, right there, uh, pretty impressive. So I would say Mud Sullivan's probably his biggest competitor. Maybe Jared Bednar of the Avalanche. Uh, Avalanche yeah. had a great season. They're, they were third in the league. At least for best dressed, Bednar needs some sort of award. I do love Elaine Vino's yeah. pocket squares, but Bednar yes. wearing that camouflage suit, like I think he yeah. should get some sort of award for that. Yeah, he's a, a clean-cut looking guy. So, you know, like that's got to be up there too. <laughs> but so, yeah, it, it, maybe Mike Sullivan or Jared Bednar, I would say. But I really think it's Elaine Vino's award. I, I at least think he's the leader right now uh, just in terms of what they did. Uh, impressive stuff from Elaine Vino. He deserves some credit for sure. Jordan, when you talk about the midseason, too, because this is something, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the season, like you could look at this coaching staff and think, oh, something's going to turn around, things are going to look better. And I mean, you know, being the optimist I am, I, I had high accolades of what this group was going to be capable of. I can confidently say they exceeded those expectations. I think you could say the same, but you talked about midseason. And like, no, I don't think, you know, he would be up there as far as how the Flyers were doing. At what point did you realize, like, this is the group? Because for me, it was after that, you know, Western swing of horrible games that we saw back-to-back. It was the confidence Elaine Vino still had in his team. It was me on post-game thinking this sound isn't going to be good. Like, when we send it to coach, this is not going to be fun. 
Um, and, you know, some games he can maybe rip a little bit on his team. There's so many games where it was like such a confident, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get back into gear. We're going to do it tomorrow. And of course you hear that all the time with coaches, but there's just something about the way he holds himself after a loss and the confidence he had in his group that they were going to get better. And how about that confidence saying this team is going to make the playoffs. You were there at skate zone when we heard him say that. I think it was that point after that, you know, seeing them turn things around, I was like, this is the coach, you know, this is, this team is capable of so much because of this coach. I don't know about you. No, it's a great question. He really does exude confidence. Um, I really saw like his swagger and like his pedigree from day one at training camp when he kind of called out Travis Konechny for not being there yet. And uh, he was at it. He went out of his way to say, I'm disappointed Travis Konechny's not here. This is a new era and we want everyone here and I'm disappointed he's not here. And to me, I was like, that's where it kind of clicked. I'm like, this is not this guy's first rodeo. He's done it before. He, he knows how to coach in big markets. He knows how to motivate players. But for when I really started thinking, hey, this guy could be coach of the year, was that stretch in January where they were ripping off wins against the Capitals, the Avalanche, the Penguins, the Blues. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, they're, like, they're flirting with first place in the Metropolitan Division. Like, they're almost a top five, six yeah. team in the league. That's when I was like, wow, no, no, these Flyers are for real. And he really turned them around from a team that was allowing, like you said, Katie, some of the most goals in the league. I think it was 3.41 goals per game. He significantly improved that. Like the, the, the numbers 29 from last year. out of 31. That's all no. I know. I mean, that, nope. that whole rating, I was like, this is crazy. I mean, we look at so many of those numbers, how he was able to turn it around. It's nuts. Right. The Flyers went out, you know, they went out and had a really nice productive offseason. But uh, a lot of what they've done from last year to this year uh, goes to Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff that what they've been able to do. Impressive stuff. And when you talk about Travis Konechny, it's, it's nuts how fast time goes. So many people know that. But, like, thinking back, I almost forgot. I mean, that was the beginning of training camp, and, and it's so true. When I heard that, too, I was like, this guy is not messing around. But maybe you sort of expect that going into a season. Like, that was a reassurance, like, this is the guy. But I think really, when we, too, another thing, when we saw him call out Jake Voracek, when we saw him call out Claude Drew, I mean, he was intense about this. Like, we're not messing around. I know these guys are the top guys here, but if you're not scoring for me, I'm not happy with you. He said it clear as day. He said it to us media. Like, I was blown away when we had that sound to go to. I've never really heard a coach say something like that. Um, and it, it just that challenge, too. I talked about the confidence. You did, too. But – you know, mentioning with what you said with Travis Konechny, that challenge. He's always been challenging his players. It's amazing. Yeah, and, we, and we've always heard, especially from Kevin Hayes, I spoke with Kevin Hayes at some point during the year just to kind of get some more insight on Elaine Vigneault and why he's working so well in Philly. And one of the things I asked him was, like, it seems like he knows how to publicly challenge his players, but Kevin Hayes said he will always relay that message first to the player. So the player is not blindsided by his message in the media. Um, he will say it first to the player, uh, and then he'll express it honestly to the media, which is a nice thing to have uh, for us media members to be able to hear what he's honestly thinking. I'll be honest, I don't know if he expressed that message to Travis Konechny first. I think he did. I know he was already speaking with Travis Konechny before oh. Konechny signed and made yeah. his way to camp. So I'm sure he probably did say, hey, Travis, we would like to see you here. You know, every day that you're missing is an opportunity to miss uh, getting here and bonding with your teammates, getting to know my system. So I bet he did. Uh, but that was a, definitely um, a sight to see when he came out day one. You really got the vibe of what this guy is like. 
um, yeah. as a head coach. And talk about that um, respect too. I mean, gosh, there's so many things we could just go down the list with this guy. I mean, Hey, if we even want to talk about his martini on a pontoon before the all-star break, like the, he wins in that category. He wins to be the best uh, to deal with for the media. Um, but yeah, you know, only if that would help out with the uh, qualifications for this award, you know, hopefully it will. All of these different accolades that he's been able, well, all these different successes, I will say that he's been able to bring um, in one season is amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Philly fans have really, you know, leaned on him in a time like throughout the season and a time like now too. him and Chuck Fletcher. This is a coach that, I could see, you know, really helping the Flyers, hopefully, to finish off this season, but next year and in the years ahead as well. Yeah, I want him around. He's fun. I know. I was going to say, this is year one of many, so I think there's a lot of exciting things ahead uh, for Flyers fans and for Philly. And, and really talking about this team, they've had good players and good teammates too. Uh, and it had a fun story on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com by Dan Roche. He looked at uh, some of – basically compiling some of former Flyers' favorite teammates. He, he talked to a bunch of former Flyers, uh, had them pick their favorite teammate and why. A lot of cool answers there in that article. Go to NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com to check it out. And it had us thinking, Katie, if we had to pick one former Flyer to pick as our teammates, uh, who would it be, Katie? Who are you taking? Okay, so I know everyone out there would be thinking, I'm going to go with Chris Tarrant. Of course, that'd be a great one. You know, I feel like this is so weird to think about. But, like, if I was, you know, dressed with uh, Bundy on the bench, like, it'd be so fun just knowing what we (laughs) – the fun that it is um, off the ice specifically now covering a pre- and post-game. But he'd be great to have as a teammate just because of his uh, capabilities. Um, Not the biggest fighter, but uh, he would (laughs) just be fun to play with. But I'm going to have to go with Rod Brindamore. I thought of this guy because I'm like, okay, I want someone tough by me. I want to, like, have someone that would stick up for anything, but also just be that tough player that, like, you could always count on, that Iron Man. Um, I think Rod Brindamore, too. And, you know, off the A's, he's a great player. Philly loves him. I think they still do. Um, Even after he left, uh, I think Rod Brindamore would be one of my favorite teammates. I like that. That's a really good one. A really good one. I bet you didn't expect that one. I bet you didn't expect that one. I did not, but that, that is a good selection for so many choices, for so many reasons. Uh, for me, Katie, I'm going to go Wayne Simmons. I've, I had the pleasure Ooh. of covering Wayne Simmons, so got to know him a little bit. Uh, I got to see him as a teammate, and everyone I've spoken with just absolutely praises that guy for being one of the toughest guys on the ice, for a guy that always had your back. And then I heard stories from oh, yeah. current Flyers now uh, when Wayne Simmons was making his return to Philly earlier this season with the Devils, I caught up with some of uh, some flyers, and a lot of the younger players said Wayne would always ask them over for Thanksgiving and Christmas because he knew a lot of these younger kids, uh, you know, are from Canada, and th- during that time, they, you know, you don't get a break to go home. Uh, so Wayne would go out of his way and invite them over for, for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it seemed to really stick with those younger players. They, I had – number of guys say they got invites over and that was really cool to me told me that not only was Wayne Simmons one a really good player a bad dude on the ice would always have your back but he was a great guy off the ice uh truly a great teammate so and I know that's a great one yeah if I I remember picking on me on the ice uh I knew Wayne Simmons would have my back and he probably fights so (laughs) 
So uh, yes, I, and that's that's what I had to consider too. I'm like, okay, I want someone that's like tough with me for sure. Like, I want someone that can help me if I get in trouble. But uh, Wayne Simmons, what a great one! And I do remember that Jordan that the guys were saying. I mean, as rookies too, just helping out. Like he would always invite them over. A great person off the ice, but like as you mentioned. He's not nice when you play against him. Like, he's a great teammate, but, like, if you're on the other end of things, it's not nice to, uh, of course, go up against him. But Wayne Simmons. Simmer, what a good one. So I'm going, yeah, Wayne Simmons. But, gosh, Rob Brandenmore, another good one. That was a fun yeah. question. There was a lot of good former Flyers that we could pick from. Can you just imagine Brandenmore and me just skating up? Just, can you? Yeah, you and just, I, I uh, yeah. That's I, mean, a- I played up until fourth grade. I think I, you know, might be a little bit slower than him at his age even now. But I think that'd be fun. I really think we should look into this. That'd be a dy- um, dynamic duo, in my opinion. Just my opinion. <laughs> Just my this opinion. This is getting weird. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, this is good. Jordan, always, you know what? The thing, too, is, like, I love doing the podcast. I think, you know, fans even, they love any hockey out there at this time. But ugh, it's so hard. It's like I get so excited even when we're talking about you know, looking back on the season with Sean Couturier or Elaine Vino, it's like, oh, I, I, we need hockey back. I, I've said it so much. I know, but oh I my know. gosh. I mean, every time it's like, uh, I hope we can all, you know, see each other soon. I'm probably going to, I'm probably broken record to say that, but you know, as always, I just hope every day is a day closer and I hope this can happen. Absolutely. Katie. It's always fun to talk. I'm glad that we can still talk about hockey reach fans. Uh, so thank you so much. Sort Katie. of get pucks deep. Get pucks deep, and we'll be saying that soon. I, I have a, I have a good feeling. I'm hope, I'm hopeful. Me too. Uh, Me so too. thank you, Katie Emmer, as always, and thank you, fans, for listening. Wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Stanley Cup playoff overtime hockey is the greatest thing going. Game four of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals proves that by being the longest game in the modern era of the National Hockey League. The game lasted over seven hours. Throughout the eight periods, players cramped up, had 10-second shifts on the ice, and the arena ran out of food, as told by Flyers play-by-play broadcaster Jim Jackson. They brought pizza up to us well into the night. And they kind of surprised us. They came back a little earlier than expected. I said, welcome back to Civic Arena here in Pittsburgh. And I look at Dorney, and he's got pizza coming out of the corner of his mouth. Sports Uncovered presents the Marathon on Ice.